What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And but we damage our body way too early, way too soon, right? And most people tend to take better care of their car than their own body or their even family members. And unfortunately, it's because most of them don't necessarily have the, the knowledge and information. It's never too late. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 163. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome back, veggie lovers, to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I have a fantastic episode for you. It's really, really good. You are going to love Dr. One. He is just super brilliant, very compassionate, really cares, innovative, on the cutting edge. I hope that you learned so much from this episode. We, we have a really good time. So let me tell you about Dr. Song Wan. He is a dual fellowship trained physician and orthopedic surgeon. He provides the most comprehensive methods of stem cell therapy and regenerative treatments, as well as lifestyle medicine to prevent and reverse chronic disease. He is an innovator of stem cell technology for over 12 years for orthopedic and spine conditions. Dr. Wan developed the four pillars of regenerative medicine and customizes the regenerative treatment for all his patients. PRP, bone marrow concentrate, growth factors, amniotic, umbilical cord, plasma concentration, and other innovative technologies are utilized to activate and enhance the regenerative treatment. His passion in medicine is utilizing nutrition and lifestyle methods to prevent and reverse chronic disease and optimize health. His research and treatment methods have helped many patients avoid invasive treatments by reversing them through natural means. We had a fantastic conversation. He has a really interesting story about how he discovered plant-based nutrition, how it's affected his life, how he kind of had a coming home experience, but it had to have a little bit of pain in there, a little wake-up call. Uh, that was a little bit too close to home. We also really talk about some interesting things. Like I really didn't know what regenerative medicine is. We talk about how he uses stem cell therapy in his work. We talk about the four pillars of regenerative medicine and also his really cool PAIRS acronym. I learned so much about nitric oxide that I did not know it's incredible. So definitely you want to listen to this episode if you care about your health and wanting to optimize your health 
optimizing your joints and your bones for healing and, you know, for a long, healthy life. So again, veggie lovers, thank you so much for being here. And without further ado, let's listen to this conversation between me and Dr. Song Wan. Dr. Song Wan, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you for having me today. Truly an honor. Great to be here. Well, I'm so excited because I met you on Clubhouse, which is one of the places I'm spending a lot of time on recently. And I heard you talk about your story and I was fascinated and intrigued. So I cannot wait for you to share your story with my audience. So let's just launch straight in. Tell me. What is your plant-based story? How did you discover plant-based nutrition? And how has it changed your life and your career? Uh, yes. Well, thank you for asking. Um, you know, si since I was a little kid, I think I was meant to be a plant-based. You know, at that age, di re didn't, really didn't know what it was. But I've always had a, a challenge, difficult uh, eating meat. I love animals, and it just didn't feel right. But of course, you know, uh, my parents, they said, oh, you know, to grow healthy, you have to eat your meat. And, and you know, they weren't informed. Um, and so, you know, but I was on and off vegetarian or, you know, flexitarian uh, most of my life. But it wasn't until uh, I really dove into doing some research because I lost one of my dear friend who's an anesthesiologist uh, from cancer. Uh, he and I worked very close together for over a decade. As I was pioneering uh, minimally invasive surgery, uh, at that time, uh, we didn't really have a good imaging guidance system. So we were using uh, multiple x-ray machines. Um, you know, we were working 12 to 14 hours a day in the operating room. Mm -hmm. And one day, you know, he came and he said he was diagnosed with cancer and within a year he was gone. Mm -hmm. And that really uh, took me back. And, and then I was uh, trying to reevaluate my life. And, and also remembering, we used to always joke around, hey man, with this much radiation, we'll probably get cancer at some point. And that, that was a joke, but it was no longer a joke. And uh, after he passed away, I started just you know, really diving into to research. You know, why did he get cancer? And, and what's gonna happen to me? Um, and, and it was at that time that I really discovered uh, that the plant-based uh, nutrition and how most of the, the cancer you know, can be prevented. And you know, reading through uh, MD Anderson research, uh, you know, you're uh, from Texas, so you're familiar with the MD Anderson at UT uh, Texas Houston. Um, and you know, one of the papers said diet is the number one cause of cancer, you know, followed by tobacco and obesity. And I said, I was thinking, why didn't I ever learn about this uh, in med school or even during uh, residency? And more I dove into it, there was so much research that was already there, um, but which uh, we never learned uh, during our training. And that's when I uh, fully committed and uh, to you know whole food, uh, plant-based uh, nutrition. And then, uh, and then continue to, to, to evolve and learn uh, much, much more about uh, plant-based uh, vegan lifestyle and, and realizing that it all tied in. And so learn a lot more about the, you know, what happens to the, the animals as well as our uh, planet. And I realized this is something that not only I have to do it for myself, 
but also share the knowledge with as many people as possible so that uh, we can spread the knowledge because if the doctors did, you know didn't know graduating from medical school you know mm -hmm. after college and then and residency really not knowing about the nutrition and what really happens to our environment and, and the animals um, I, I made a commitment to uh, uh, to spread the knowledge to as many people if they're willing to hear I was willing to to talk about it Wow so it really was almost like a coming home for you because you had that in your spirit you had that in your soul since you were little but it was all of this information that you were getting from outside of society that was saying no you must eat meat that's what's healthiest that's what's going to help you grow and stay strong so this experience, which was a, a very, uh, sounds like a pretty shocking, unexpected experience to lose somebody that you were close to, but also relatively young, right? Yes, uh, you know, we were um, 10 years into our, our practice uh, at the time, and uh, he was only a few years ahead of me. And, uh, you know, and had two beautiful uh, little children, and he had a beautiful family. And, you know, he uh, was um, walked onto a football team when he was in college to University of Texas. So mm -hmm. you can imagine, you know, he was healthy, um, always, th we thought he was eating right. And, and he was a fairly large fellow. And, but to, to see an individual like that and then essentially turning into a skeleton uh, within a year, wow. it just didn't seem right. And that is uh, what really initially motivated me to, to research and find out a lot more. Why is this happening? Yeah. And your story is so similar in many ways to a lot of physicians who were lucky because we have access to journals. We have access to research. We are experienced in being able to find that kind of information, but it's always shocking, isn't it? That we've been through, you were already 10 years out of practice. Why hadn't anybody told me this? Why hadn't I encountered this before? Did you go through that time period where you're just like, why didn't we learn this? Oh, absolutely. You know, once I, uh, I discovered it, um, in, in living in Texas, it, it was a lonely world because um, <laughs> I tried to discuss this with other physicians and they were like looking at me really strange. And then and the first thing was, are you becoming a vegan activist? I said, well, that's besides the point. This is about plant-based, how to really optimize our health. And, you know, I was uh, trying to get attention of the cardiologists to ask them questions, which they weren't informed, you know, the gastroenterologists or any physicians at the hospital or at the lounge. Um, um, it was trying to learn more from them, but I realized most of them were, um, were not informed. So only place I could go is, um, uh, you know, uh, looking at and reading the, the literatures. And it wasn't until, you know, finding some plant-based physicians and plant-based, you know, societies outside of uh, Dallas and outside of Texas that I was able to make some connections. Um, and that's why I'm so excited about even Clubhouse, you know, where, you know, where I met you um, before that. Uh, it was a truly a lonely world, but I realized, okay, there's a truth here and, um, and we really need to uh, uh, find out more. I need to learn a lot more about it. And then also trying to share that knowledge with the hospital as well as uh, uh, other physicians, which still is quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Texas is a little bit, it can be a little bit difficult that way. But I feel like medicine in general can be difficult because we as physicians, we have a lot of pride and we get a lot of experience in our craft and we feel like we know what we know. So when we're 
exposed to this new information that contradicts our knowledge or doesn't include what we feel like we've been exposed to, then we may automatically discount it. And it's very disappointing because I've encountered that a lot with cardiologists specifically, because it seems like if there was any specialty that should know the power of plant-based nutrition, it's gotta be cardiology, right? Because yeah. there's so much evidence there. And then you talk to cardiologists and they're like, eh, you know, whatever. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 I even tell them, you know, what Dr. Kim Williams said, you know, when, you know, and you know, there's two kinds of cardiologists, right? Uh, the, the vegan cardiologists and the ones who haven't read the data. So, yes. and, and, and they all go, oh yeah, that's out of context and they, they just try to ignore me. But, you know, I think the, you know, the field is uh, changing somewhat and I'm excited about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it definitely, it's been an interesting journey for me. Well, you're not a cardiologist. You are an orthopedic surgeon, but you also do all this other stuff that I really don't know much about. So let's get into that. What is regenerative medicine? Yeah, so you know, even though I'm, I'm a surgeon, what I really uh, focused on, um, you know, for orthopedics as well as the spine, trying to help patients uh, avoid surgery as much as possible. And I tell them that that majority of them, even you know, outside of uh, nutrition and and the lifestyle modification, most of them can be treated conservatively with physical therapy, um, but. But definitely adding on the nutrition and lifestyle, it really helps them. But through that uh, uh, search for uh, trying to really optimize their orthopedic care, then um, uh, we learned a lot more about regenerative medicine, how to treat them without a surgery, using the patient's own uh, uh, growth factors and uh, you know, platelet-rich plasma and their own uh, bone marrow aspirate concentrates that contains and a lot of uh, uh, growth factors as well as uh, stem cells to, to help them heal through that process so that they could avoid a surgery. And then also utilizing the new orthobiologic technologies where they harvest other growth factors from the placenta or amniotic fluids and using those tools to to, uh, to help patients heal before really considering surgery. Because once you alter the anatomy, that you, you can never go back to where it was before. And you can function mostly normal, but it's never the same. And so mm -hmm. that's uh, the area where I was really interested in research. Once we've done, we've done, we pioneer minimally invasive surgery, and a lot of the, uh, the physicians are utilizing that technology now. And back uh, 20 years ago, when we were initially doing the research, they said, it's not possible. And then after it became more uh, adapted, then we moved on to, okay, what else can we do besides go further than minimally invasive surgery? Well, can we avoid surgery? And then utilizing the, uh, um, the, the cells from the patient's own body and, and, and uh, help them the heal by you know concentrating the the, the PRPs as well as the, the bone marrow aspirates and then uh, inserting them to the damaged area and allowing them to heal. And it was actually also during this process we realized that that nutrition uh, uh, played a significant role of how fast they're able to recover and how well they're able to recover uh, because uh, you know the the plant-based nutrition provides them with the, this uh, anti-inflammatory inflammatory uh, environment and then also through the hypernutrition um, and that they're able to recover a lot uh, faster and many of them were able to avoid surgery. 
Wow, that's amazing. It sounds space age. Definitely things that I didn't learn about in medical school and I don't do as a pediatrician. But it's so cool because you're a surgeon, so it seems like it would be in your best interest to just keep doing surgery. But I can tell that you really care about your patients because you realize, hey, surgery can sometimes make things worse in some cases, or it makes it so that you can't recover fully. What about we learn about some of these other options, other techniques, other ways to support your healing through diet and lifestyle. That means you're a really good and caring doctor. I love that. And now for a very important message. Hey, veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family. DrYami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. You know, it, um, the, the value and my, uh, my drive um, came from uh, my father, uh, who after we immigrated to this country, he had four back surgeries. Uh, oh. You know, he worked as a janitor and then seriously injured his back. And he previously had uh, injury when he was in the uh, military. And mm. then uh, one surgery led to two, then led to the infection and complication. And it took him uh, nearly two decades to be able to function normally again. Mm. Um, and so, uh, so that was the initial motivation to, to become a surgeon and then also to become an orthopedic surgeon. But then after that, then I, I was... Uh, uh, during the residency, when I was observing all these surgeries, it was just massive uh, surgeries, especially spine and some of the joint replacement orthopedic surgeries. But what if we can make it smaller? What if we are able to do things almost like you read, you know, you see the, the sci-fi movies and then they scan something and then and they get better without surgery. And and you know, going through uh, uh, all the, the literatures and, you know, I've always want to uh, uh, find ways to, to advance whatever I'm doing. And when I uh, discovered uh, early on regenerative medicine, and a lot of people say you can't do it. And then, um, of course, the technology was very limited and we didn't have as much understanding. But, you know, we gave patients the option here. You could just have the surgery or you could try this. And if it doesn't work, you always have the surgeries available. And when many of them came back and said, well, I'm feeling so much better that I don't need surgery. And, and that's, uh, you know, because we weren't just motivated by just constantly doing surgeries, right? Because uh, what we were motivated is making advancement in, in medicine. And, um, and, and we were very fortunate enough to have the team of other uh, uh, healthcare providers that had the same type of vision and, and drive that made it a lot easier for us. That's amazing. And yes, I think a lot of people think that physicians are just money hungry, ambitious, ego driven people. But I think the majority of us went into medicine because we get gratification from seeing people get better. And in traditional medicine, there's a lot of things that we do and we do a lot of those things 
and it doesn't always make people get better and that's not gratifying. It doesn't make us feel good. So to be able to advance technology, think in innovative ways like you are, and then you see improvement, that feels really good. And when you were talking about this minimally invasive and, and the scanning thing, it made me think of Wakanda. So maybe someday we'll be like oh, Wakanda, yes. you know, we'll, we'll just have that kind of technology, you know, yeah. just fix everything just by laying on this table and some like little scanning device or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the four pillars of regenerative medicine? Yes, uh, you know, for the uh, as we were trying to also perfect and and uh, advance the, the regenerative medicine, we realized that there are things that we have to do. There's a lot of confusion even within that field because it's relatively new and relatively young, and and there's a lot of uh, uh, people who are just focusing on let's say commercialized orthobiologics where you buy the products. However, the the, the best the the best uh, regenerative medicine is achieved by achieving your uh, uh, the taking your own cells and so your own stem cells uh, from the bone marrow and, and we harvest them from the, the iliac crest and so it, uh, it's utilizing the, the real stem cells as much as possible and then real uh, biologics, self-biologics and because and there's still a lot of limitations on uh, whether it's an amniotic or commercialized products from somebody else. And then also what we found was that uh, we call it regenerative nutrition which is essentially is a whole food plant-based nutrition played a significant role and, and we uh, um, counsel all our patients after this experience, whether they're having regenerative medicine or surgical treatment, at least they uh, have an understanding of what whole food plant-based nutrition is. And we ask them, hey, just give us a six weeks while you're recovering. Uh, and many times also even six weeks before the treatment and six weeks after, because what we want to do is we want to optimize their body, optimize the environment. Many times uh, we go through surgeries and surgeons really don't really talk to the patients about optimizing their condition, right? We get medical clearance from either uh, internists, family practitioners, or, or cardiologists, and they say, oh yeah, your heart's fine, good enough for have surgery, let's go ahead and do it. I said, no, I mean, if you're going to the recovered, the, the best method is actually optimizing your body before you have the procedure. And so we do nutrition counseling because it does take time. Many of them do have to go uh, through physical therapy or other means of conservative treatment, and we let them know that, hey, just in case you do have surgery, I strongly advise you to, to follow our protocol. And, and we make it, you know, we meet them halfway because not everyone's going to become, uh, you know, a plant-based vegan instantaneously, but as much as possible. And we tend to counsel them on adding the food that, that we want them to do uh, uh, first uh, before, you know, elimination. And then also um, uh, other things that can affect negatively um, and doing it, you know, under moderation. And then also, many of them unfortunately still not able to uh, make that uh, transition and especially many patients from Texas so so we do help them uh, with some supplements that we have developed uh, so that uh, we can assist them through the the process uh, you know before uh, pre-surgery and then uh, afterwards as well and of course uh, the, the therapy becomes key especially for orthopedics and we also do a lot of uh, photomodulations 
uh, to, to really enhance and activate uh, certain uh, molecules, uh, which is uh, nitric oxide. And uh, what's interesting is nitric oxide plays a, a very, very important role in regenerative medicine, but so does uh, in uh, cardiovascular system as well as a diabetic health. Right? And, and a lot of people don't realize that the, um, uh, as we get older, we get really depleted uh, of nitric oxide. We lose the ability to produce nitric oxide. By the time you're 40, you lose about 50%. By the time you're 60, you lose about 85% of your ability to produce nitric oxide. And that's why uh, patients develop hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and they may, uh, it may lead them to prediabetes and then you know, type 2 diabetes. But also, it can have a significant effect in orthopedic conditions also because you know, for, for joints and spine, we need good blood circulation. And if they're going through regenerative medicine treatment, you also need high elevation of nitric oxide, concentration of nitric oxide, in order to mobilize and also even activate some of the, the stem cells so that they can uh, further differentiate into the type of cell that we want them to um, uh, differentiate into. So those are some of the, the, the principles that, that we counsel the patient. And, they, and unfortunately, it's not covered by the insurance, so they're spending a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of money and mm -hmm. said, hey, let's make it a worthwhile. Yeah. And then um, what's been great is after they've gone through the treatment, not only they improve their you know, orthopedic condition, whether you know, they were able to avoid rotator cuff surgeries, they're able to avoid joint replacement or able to avoid spine surgery, but also they uh, um, are no longer on hypertensive medications. Many of our patients who are type 2 diabetics are no longer on any medications. And so it's interesting, as a, uh, I went into surgery because I didn't want to practice you know, like internal medicine uh, and chronic disease, um, but we end up uh, addressing those issues uh, in our clinic, in, in orthopedics clinic. And, but what I, I realized was we really enjoy that aspect of it. We're treating the whole patient not just the, the typical body part. Yeah, what wonderful side effects that you create. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like my diabetes is gone, my blood pressure is lower. I mean, all because I went to go see this orthopedic surgeon who's doing things in this innovative way. I had never heard that stat. So you said by age 60, our ability to produce nitric oxide drops by 80%? 85%. Oh and, my and that gosh. Is part of the, yeah, that's part of the reason why uh, we age. And by the time you're 40, a lot of people complain that uh, they gain weight. They are also uh, complaining of uh, fatigue, brain fogginess. Uh, and so that gives us even more reason to eat a lot of dark green leafy vegetables and eat the food that contains a lot of nitrates. Um, but yeah, but yeah when I, it, the, um, I learned this through uh, researching how to uh, optimize the regenerative medicine. And, and uh, that's where I realized that uh, we get depleted of nitric oxide to that extent. I know there's uh, you know, some cardiologists and lifestyle medicine doctors who discuss uh, nitric oxide. However, it, it was uh, a surprising fact for me to, to realize we lose that much at such a young age, age 40, you know, I'm, I'm 50, so I think 40 is really, really young. Um, and, and, <laughs> and, and by the time you're 40, you lose about 50%. Uh, uh, That's why there's some stats, uh, even, you know, like Sanjay Gupta and CNN uh, talked about this. He said uh, the one study that he cited was even you eat the same amount, exercise the same amount, 
every year people gain one to two pounds per year so in a decade that could be 10 to 20 pounds so you have to uh, you know this was a while back but he said you have to eat less and you have to move more well i think if people are able to change their nutrition eat what they're supposed to you know in, when i became a, a plant-based i lost 30 pounds within six weeks and then well, i eat <laughs> as, as much as possible and i i you know I, I, some people we used to joke around saying that i do seafood diet because if i see it i eat it and because uh, <laughs> i'm a foodie i love food uh, but uh, now i eat i don't count calories i eat as much as i want and um but i have a lot of energy so much more energy and uh, i don't gain weight and so you know i lift uh, weight and do resistance exercise to to continue to build a muscle mass um, but I, I never have to worry about uh, gaining weight and back 20 years ago i was worried about you know losing weight and it was always so difficult uh, losing weight and in you know eating the standard American diet or flexitarian diet. And I even at once uh, followed a paleo diet because a bunch of other, you know, big orthopedic surgeons said, oh, this is, you got to eat your, uh, you know, dry chicken and then broccoli, you know, for <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And, and that is what I call true bro science. Um, but, but uh, you know, th through uh, the uh, regenerative research, that's where we uh, discovered a lot of information about the, the benefit of the, the nitric oxide. Wow. No, that just, that literally just blew my mind. I had no clue it was that extensive. I'm about to be 42. So for me, it's very important. And you know how you linked it to aging too. I want to make sure my skin looks good because I'm hoping to live to 100. That's my plan. But whenever we think about nitric oxide and we think about the standard American diet, which 60% of our calories are coming from ultra processed foods, there's no nitric oxide there. There's, we're not deriving antioxidants or fiber or anything from that. That's the majority of what people are eating in this country. But even if you switch to a whole food plant-based diet as you get older, being mindful about getting those leafy greens, just like Dr. Esselstyn, he's like, he, he prescribes it like a medicine, like take those leafy greens six times per day. You just eat it regardless. You eat those leafy greens. So I'm going to keep that in mind from now on. I definitely, I have my cabbage. I love my kale and all of that, but being even more mindful of getting that rich source of nitric oxides in my diet to slow down the aging, but also support the healing process, uh, especially when we do sports and athletic pursuits to, to help that healing. And maybe that's why the beet juice and all of that helps too, because there's evidence on the beet juice, right? Yeah, absolutely. The beet juice uh, uh, contains a lot of um, uh, uh, nitrates, you know, but, you know, beet juice, uh, I tell uh, patients you have to be uh, cautious because it does elevate your uh, glucose level. Uh, mm -hmm. And arugula actually pound per pound has more nitrate than and beet. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, most people tend to gravitate towards beet. But what we ask nice our patients, <laughs> yeah, nice and sweet, yeah. Um, and so what we ask them to do is actually make a smoothie because, you know, for them uh, to eat that much uh, uh, dark green leafy vegetables, it's not possible. Most of them mm -hmm. just push away. So we teach them to make a large, about 50 ounce of a smoothie each day. And then and having mostly dark green leafy vegetables along with flax seeds and blueberries. And then they can add other things, you know, anywhere from, you know, we have about 18 different things that they could potentially add. Um, but 
those are the, the you know, three ingredients that's a must, like you know, the blueberries, uh, 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 flax seeds, uh, as well as uh, mostly dark and leafy vegetables. And 70 to 75% of the, the container for the blender needs to be green leafy vegetables. Um, and, and that helps them consume that much. And then we just ask them to sip it all throughout the day. And then that gets them a lot of uh, you know, a nit um, uh, nitric oxide uh, uh, production, but also mm -hmm. gives them all the, the, the micronutrients, polyphenols, and, and uh, phytochemicals that they need. Also gives them a lot more fiber. And then so you know, we hand them a, a toilet paper along with the, the instruction for smoothies. And just, you know, they're going to go to the bathroom like they've never done before. <laughs> Either that or invest in a bidet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Wow, that's such great information. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Brooke Goldner and how she does the hyper-nourishing smoothie protocol with the flax seeds and the greens and all of that. But it does seem like some people, it's easier for them to get it in that smoothie form, especially if they're not used to eating that many leafy greens. I think I could do it, though, because I love to eat and I love to chew my food, so... Yes, uh, you know, also eating, you know, like, yeah, we initially try to get them to eat a, just a massive uh, a bowl of salad each day. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, one, one patient came back and said, my jaw hurts. <laughs> it's tiring. You get bored after a while. I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm tired of eating now. Tell me about your PEARS acronym. Yeah, so you know, I like uh, as as an orthopedic surgeon, you know, uh, I like to put things in uh, acronyms. It just helps me uh, remember things because mm -hmm. you know, like you you mentioned, um, uh, you know, you want to live until hundred. Uh, you know, uh, I do as well. And I think humans were initially designed to live until 120 years old, wow. and but we damage our body way too early, way too soon, right? And most people tend to take better care of their car than their own body or their mm -hmm. even family members. And unfortunately, it's because most of them don't necessarily have the, the knowledge and information. And so that's what we're trying to, it's never too late, right? I, I remember seeing, you know, I used a, the photograph of uh, the Dr. Joel Furman, you know, one of his patients who was 77 years old with the triple vessel disease and then decided to go whole food plant-based. And age 99, he no longer was on any medication and did not have heart disease. So I tell all my patients, it's never too late. And so, um, and what I realized is it's not just a nutrition, but it's also, it's a lifestyle. And so that's what we're trying to get across people who do want to optimize their health and then um, and prevent and reverse most of the chronic disease. Because, you know, the, uh, the top 10 causes of death in U.S. and westernized world most of them can be prevented and then even be reversed in many occasions. So, um, so you know, I came up with the, the pears um, uh, lifestyle. So first, P stands for a plant-based and, and eating a lot more plants. And if you can't go, you know, full 100% uh, plant-based, then we want them to eat as uh, much of the, the plants as, as possible. And then the E stands for uh, exercise, um, and which means you know, moving your body every single day. And it doesn't have to be high-intensive uh, exercise program, um, but uh, at least you know, brisk walking, and the most optimal time is hour and a half, but as much as possible. And it doesn't have to be done all at one time. 
Uh, and then uh, A stands for avoiding toxins, you know, such as you know alcohol or, or tobacco uh, use. And then also, most people don't realize they have a lot of household chemicals mm -hmm. uh, that also tends to have a, a lot of harmful effect, or even personal care products. So learning to read the ingredients and turn the any product over and and know what you're putting on your body or even having it around the house. And then the next one is also quite important, a restore, R stands for restore. And I realized, you know, when during the residency, you know, we slept probably like four to six hours maximum, uh, you know, used to pride in, you know, have a, uh, and not sleeping and then always just overworking. But realizing that if you don't sleep, you will definitely die faster. So if you want to live until well beyond 100 years old, then you better get your sleep anywhere from seven to nine hours a, a night. And then also managing your stress. Uh, and this, uh, whether it is through meditation or yoga, and I think there's so much benefit to, to meditation. I grew up uh, meditating, but then I resisted for a long time. You know, growing up in a family and that's rich with the, the Buddhist uh, heritage. Uh, many of our family members are uh, Buddhist monks. And we learned how to meditate, but for the longest time I didn't do it until I read you know, scientific papers. And then I realized, oh my goodness, this is something that I could have been doing you know, my entire life. And then you know, living with sense of purpose, and, and then having a right tribe, and and, and and having loving community definitely helps. And then also, of course, being plant-based, and then uh, not just plant-based uh, uh, vegans, but a lot of people do lack certain uh, nutrients, and so that uh, may need to consider uh, supplements. You know, whether it is a vitamin D or uh, B12. Uh, whether you're vegan or omnivore, and, and some uh, uh, may need uh, omega-3. And then also uh, nitric oxide, mostly you can get through uh, uh, natural sources, but mm -hmm. if they're so resistant, they may need to consider uh, as a, a supplement to help boost the, the nitric oxide effect. And then, um, and then also just you know, making sure that you get plenty of uh, antioxidants um, um, products from the, the natural sources and so that's the uh, the pairs and it helps me remember uh, uh, each day the things that that I have to do and then also it has helped our patients remember um, the, the, um, the the routines that, that that we strongly encourage them to live by what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co and now for a very important message hey mama if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet i wrote a book that might be for you a Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. 
In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. I love it. That's lifestyle medicine at its best. You're living it. You're an example of it. You're helping guide your patients through it. I mean, this is amazing. And I love how your patients are all getting all of these positive life-changing side effects from trying to heal their joints or their spine. You know, what a gift that is that you're giving to them. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, yeah, well, well, thank you for what you do. But it's, it's been definitely an amazing uh, experience because, you know, I never really expected to, you know, uh, talk about high blood pressure or diabetes or even, you know, autoimmune disease with the patients. And, uh, and being, coming from the, the surgical background, we try to avoid it and then always consult the medicine team and then consult, you know, anytime patients at the hospital. And, and but, you know, when patient came and who like, you know, I'll tell you about one patient who was uh, uh, insulin dependent type two uh, diabetic for 13 years. And wow. she was on five different kinds of medications. And then after she went through our, you know, conservative orthopedic care, at the end she came back and said, hey, I wanna tell you something, what? And she said, well, I'm no longer on any uh, diabetic medicine. I said, what are you talking about? You were injecting yourself with two different forms of insulin and three oral medications and then two different uh, statins and then uh, high blood pressure medicine. And she said, this was after about three months. Uh, and she said, I'm not on any medication. And I said, wow. Um, but in also how fast it happened, because within 10 days, she basically decreased her medication by 50%. And then uh, she said by week seven, she was no longer on any medicine whatsoever. And we have just countless stories of uh, patients coming back, whether it is that, or it had a patient uh, who you know, had autoimmune disease and multiple sclerosis, who, you know, it wasn't even my patient, it was actually patient's husband. Uh, and, uh, and they decided to change their nutrition and lifestyle together. And he was in a wheelchair, but then when he came along uh, with her, uh, follow-up visit he walked in with a cane and and to me I consider that as a, a major reversal right and and he thought he said he thought he was gonna be in a wheelchair rest of his life and he could feel that he's getting stronger and stronger and this was about a seven months after uh, we initially talked about uh, you know, changing their nutrition and lifestyle and I was just floored and I said uh, this is something that we need to do to um, you know uh, every patient and then even beyond our clinic wow that's incredible what a ripple effect it wasn't even your patient you know it's a yeah. family member of a patient and that sent a ripple effect through their family think of how many other people that they're going to inspire by their story and their example as well that's amazing 
Yeah, so, so with, the, with that experience then, the, as soon after that, uh, I was so excited because uh, Dr. Uh, Stancic uh, came out with the, the Code Blue, the, the yes. documentary. And, and then we actually did a, a showing uh, and we had literally about 120 people who attended uh, a showing of that movie. And uh, that was uh, very powerful and it, the timing was just so perfect. Yes. Oh, I love Dr. Stancic. I've had her on the podcast. She's amazing as well. And I just, I love hearing these stories. So thank you for telling these stories because there's still a lot of people that have no clue how what we eat can be so incredibly powerful and how quickly the changes can happen. A lot of people in our society think that this is going to be, and especially I like to talk about the power of food and our habits and behaviors because we do attribute everything to body weight too. And body weight can take a lot longer to change than can some of these factors inside our blood. You know, our, our, the metabolism inside our blood can change so quickly. Like you said, 10 days. Within 10 days, that medication was already starting to come down. And that's much faster than what much, many people believe is possible. So it's, it's very, very powerful. Yeah, and I realized that the, the solution for health is pretty darn simple. It's difficult to follow because way people are programmed since they were a child and, yes. and nobody ever talked to them about it. But it doesn't have to be very complicated. It's just eating the food way it was naturally grown and mm -hmm. then moving our body like, like our ancestors did before all these new technology came about. And then you can stay healthy. And, and people tend, like to make things so complicated. And that's what I try to, to tell patients is that it's not difficult. You, there's no magic pill here. And you just, just got to get to just simplify everything as much as possible. Uh, I love it. I love it. One of the things that we experience a lot when we get older is osteoarthritis. And what I've heard and what I've learned is that once you have osteoarthritis, that's it. So usually it's heading into a joint surgery, a joint replacement, that sort of thing. But given what you do, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on osteoarthritis. Can it be modified by lifestyle choices, regenerative medicine? How do you usually approach that? Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, thank you for asking that question because uh, it has uh, become uh, uh, such a big issue. Whether it is a uh, you know osteoarthritis uh, in their joints, in their hip or knee, which tends to be very very common, or back pain. You know, back pain is almost the second most common reason why people see their physicians. And even though you may have already developed uh, uh, arthritis, and then a lot of the symptoms and people experience is through uh, inflammation. And by you know changing the nutrition, many of our patients being able to decrease the inflammation without utilizing you know, NSAIDs or any other pain medication. So many of them would uh, uh, naturally come back uh, and say, hey, you know, I no longer need surgery. I had one patient who had a, a disc herniation in her thoracic region. And in order to get to it, uh, um, you know, if she has such a severe pain, we would have to do a thoracotomy because where the disc herniation was, you mm -hmm. couldn't get it from the back because in the thoracic region, you can't move the spinal cord. And I said, well, can you just give me three months? Can we manage uh, your uh, uh, symptoms? You know, of course, we'll give you pain medications, but let's get you, uh, uh, you know, uh, into a whole food plant-based nutrition. Let's modify your lifestyle. Let's see what happens 
uh, in three months. And then if you still have pain, I'm more than happy to crack your chest open and get to your spine and take out your disc. And, uh, and she came back and then she didn't come back for, uh, for a while. And then I think it was about four months uh, she showed up to one of our free seminars uh, that we used to, to host uh, before the pandemic time. And then this was a free uh, a seminar on nutrition and lifestyle modification that we used to host uh, in, in, in community. And then she came back like a completely different person. Um, she lost about uh, 40 pounds. And then her husband also lost a lot of weight and he brought the, his belt to show for it. He had to put extra holes in his belt. And she said she's no longer in pain and she didn't have, she didn't need my uh, surgical treatment any longer. And so, you know, what I tell patients is that, you know, the, there's a significant correlation also uh, with arthritis and, and, and also atherosclerosis. Most people with osteoarthritis, uh, especially in the back, uh, in, in the spine, they have uh, uh, atherosclerosis to uh, uh, the regions around their disc. You know, disc is uh, like one of the biggest organ in our body that has a really no blood circulation in the center. It's mostly around the edge. And then also when some people develop uh, ridiculous symptoms, it's also partly because the, the small vessels uh, that innervates, uh, uh, that supplies the, uh, the nerve roots actually uh, has atherosclerosis and it's mm -hmm. not uh, providing enough uh, blood to the, the nerve roots uh, also. So by uh, reverting, it's not just uh, anti-inflammatory diet, but also it's enhancing their circulation then allowing them to heal better. Mm -hmm. And so uh, many uh, patients are able to, to uh, at least slow down the, the process of uh, arthritic changes because most osteoarthritis is wear and tear, but they also lose the ability to, to repair. Human body is amazing, right? We're designed naturally to heal ourselves, but you've got to provide them with the, the right ingredients and then also the right environment so that they could heal. And that's essentially what we're doing for them so that they could heal on their own. And, and we've had a many, many positive um, uh, uh, effect and many patients being able to avoid a total joint replacement or even spine surgeries. And to a point once uh, our office manager said, you're going to put yourself out of business. I said, that is the goal. <laughs> oh man, I love it so much. I love that story. Can you believe you were going to have to crack her chest open to do this surgery? She changes her diet, changes her life, and then she becomes like an advocate for this whole deal. That's, that's wonderful. And I remember when I first learned about the connection between back pain and atherosclerosis. And it's one of those things that it's just hard to put together, right? Like you don't think about it in your head. I mean, you think of your heart hurting if you're, if you're having atherosclerosis there, maybe you think of having the leg pain and stuff like that, but we never really put that back pain together and how that's all related and how some people, they can start getting relief by changing their diet because it's helping decrease that cholesterol in their blood and helping them heal. So it's amazing connections that we can make back to our diet and lifestyle. Yes. And that's part, part of the reason circulation is so important. Um, uh, and that's why even uh, the uh, utilization of tobacco has such a strong link to back pain. Right, yeah. because it significantly affects their circulation, especially to to small vessels, and then that actually affects their uh, uh, advances their uh, degeneration of their disc. So you want to maintain good circulation as long as possible if you want to maintain a healthy disc, because once mm -hmm. it's gone, then it's gone. 
right? Because, you know, other areas in our body, we have good circulation, we have the ability to repair. But the problem with the, the disc is that, that there is no blood circulation in the core, in the center of the disc. And then uh, all the nutrients gets into the disc uh, through basically is a diffusion, right? And so, uh, so you, it, it's, it's so critical to maintain uh, healthy vessels as long as possible. Uh, and, and they will be able to preserve the, the healthy disc as long as possible. And I think that once you start feeling pain, especially if you have chronic pain, you get, you become highly motivated because it really hurts. I remember straining my back. I don't even know. I was getting out of the car. I did something really silly and I strained my lower back and I just can't even imagine what it would like to have chronic pain. I, I mean, I couldn't even go to the bathroom properly. I couldn't get out of bed properly. It was just hurting all the day. It was very distracting. So to be able to avoid that pain that distracts you from life, that decreases your quality of life, decreases your ability to do things with your friends and family, it seems that it would be highly motivating for some people to find ways to avoid or reverse that pain. Yes. Yes, oh, absolutely. And there's so many uh, different, you know, the red natural uh, remedies that they, they could utilize. But it's just, you know, doing a simple things that could, uh, you know, help you avoid that severe, severe pain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your food choices, because you said you were a foodie. So is there a food that you love to eat before you were plant-based that you no longer eat? And now what is your favorite plant-based food? Yeah, um, you know, the, uh, I would say most of the, I eat pretty much the, the same things. Um, because I, you know, for me, I love uh, a soup. I'm a, uh, I'm a foodie, but also at the same time, I love hot food. One thing that I really uh, learned to love is is actually salad. I love mm -hmm. vegetables, but then I didn't like anything that was cold, uh, mm -hmm. and everything had to be hot. And and so growing up, I was always a big fan of uh, 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 a soup. And then the um, uh, instant pot uh, became a, a dear friend because I, I love food, uh, <laughs> but yet I'm not necessarily a good cook. Uh, and the uh, instant pot <laughs> made it so much easier. And I would just chop things, and then uh, you know I would uh, put all the different kinds of spices. And then um, you know I, I researched and then came out with the the, uh, the ingredients that really helps you know prevent. Uh, you know, cancer uh, and uh, some of the ingredients that I try to incorporate as much as possible. I just all dump it in there. And then the spices, I never realized there's so much different things that, that, that you could uh, consume. You know, like most people think that if you go vegan, you're giving up certain things. You're only giving up like four things, right? You know, beef, pork, uh, 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 fish and chicken and, and, you know, egg. But but you gain so much more. And I never realized there's so many different kinds of spices because I don't use salt. And then uh, I tend not to use oil uh, uh, at the house. And but we spice everything, uh, create the flavor through, um, you know, uh, whether it's turmeric, uh, uh, ginger, whether it's paprika and uh, cumin. And we have about like probably 40 to 50 different kinds of spices. Wow. Um, and 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 some of them I don't even know, uh, can't even pronounce them. But I just dump it into to the instant pot, <laughs> and magic happens in a very short amount of time. And so I've really learned to to enjoy them. But you know, coming from 
uh, a Korean background. I grew up in Korea first 11 years. Um, and fortunately, a lot of our side dishes tends to be uh, vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, but and so, so it was an easier uh, tr a transition. But you know, an interesting fact uh, about Korea is this. Now, Korea, because the country is becoming westernized, a country that used to eat a lot of, most of their uh, calorie came from vegetables, right? And not by necessarily choice, because the country was so poor. Mm -hmm. The meat was for rich people, and it was very expensive. Now that uh, the meat has become so common, their increase uh, of um, prostate cancer, I mean, prostate cancer mm -hmm. used to be so low, right? Because they naturally, the soy was one of their best source of uh, protein, but they're eating a lot less soy because they're replacing that with meat uh, and then a lot more processed food. And then also a significant spike in cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. I never used to hear like the Koreans, especially in Korea or even Korean Americans, uh, you know, having heart attacks. But it just seems to be very, very common cancer and, and heart disease. And so it's not the genetics, right? That their genetics hasn't changed in one generation, but what has changed is their the diet and, and lifestyle. Yes, so. it's the food, it's the food. And the simplest explanation is usually the right one. And we see these changes and it's just, it seems like it should be so easy to put that together and make the changes back to the old ways, even though it's associated with poverty, it's associated with not having money, but actually, it's one of the richest ways to eat because it gives us our health, right? Yes, yes. And, and somebody once uh, said, um, or even my mother once said, you know, because uh, whenever I go over to their house, uh, they say, what do you want to eat? And I tell them, you know, the, the traditional Korean dishes. Uh, and so, you know, initially now they're mostly 95% uh, plant-based. Um, but uh, they said, well, you sure you don't want any meat? You sure you don't want any fish? Well, remember, since we were a little kid, we, I never really wanted to eat them anyways. So you eat like a really poor person. I go, yeah, that's exactly the way I want to do it. And also, you know, definitely don't have to spend a lot more money. Uh, and a lot of people think that uh, eating plant-based is expensive. But if you mm -hmm. actually uh, shop in the produce, go to the farmer's market and you do it yourself, it actually costs uh, significantly less. Yes, absolutely. What do you wish more people knew? You know, um, I would love for the people to know that they have a complete control uh, of their destination. I mean, the destiny as far as the health is concerned. I mentioned this earlier. Health is pretty simple. We just got to get down to uh, 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 you know very elementary level, and and you're um, uh, through nutrition and adding the lifestyle, you can really avoid having a heart attack, mostly cancer, uh, and any other disease. And I get a lot of uh, messages from people after they're very reactive. My family member, or I had a heart attack, we, you know, somebody in our family got diagnosed with cancer, what can we do, right? And they're in crisis mode. And, and but, less, you know, many people can prevent all that and you don't have to die from a heart attack, which so many people do, right? And then same thing with cancer. What concerns me is that within 10 years, by 2030, cancer is going to become the number one killer in America, passing mm -hmm. uh, heart disease. And, and it doesn't have to be. And when, you know, um, and, 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 no, and most people don't believe me on, on, until I show them the, the study from the MD Anderson where it says diet is the number one cause. 
It's not your genetics. Everyone wants to blame the genetics, mm -hmm. right? But I think somebody said, um, I think it was Michael Greger who said, uh, you know, the, the genetic loads the gun, but you pull the trigger. Nutrition mm -hmm. pulls the trigger. And so, but that's one thing that I really want them to know is that it doesn't have to be complicated, but what you put in your mouth really does matter, right? And, uh, and let's uh, learn to, to simplify it. We're happy to, to uh, educate them and share the knowledge. And, and if people have any questions, I mean, you're an amazing resource, but if they want uh, uh, you know, another uh, avenue, they can you know, f uh, reach out to me and I'd be more than happy to share with them any recipes that we may have, any the, the guide that we have, everything, you know, if it's related to plant-based, it's all free. Oh, such a beautiful message. Well, I'd love to know what personal habit you're most proud of and why. So um, I think for everyone, I think it's very important to have a certain routine. And for me, uh, morning routine is a very, very important because it sets the day. And, and this is something that we also try to teach um, uh, our, our patients uh, as well. And so the, the, the simple thing is, first thing, make the bed. Right? It sounds so simple, but uh, you know, many people don't. And then you know, even your day was terrible, at least when you come back at night, your bed is made, you know you've accomplished at least one thing. And as soon as I wake up, I drink a large glass of water and because most people are dehydrated right, during the night because you're not sleeping. Or a lot of people don't like to drink water before they go to bed, which I think they should. Um, and, and most people live in a dehydrated state and that's why there's so much constipation and headache. And so, you know, drink water throughout the day, but especially when you first wake up in the morning. And then I have a you know, very quick uh, exercise routine, you know, like five minutes, I mean, mostly like jumping jack, just to get the blood flowing. Getting, you know, by getting the blood to flow, then I'm also stimulating my body to produce nitric oxide. That creates, uh, uh, you know, good for my heart, but also good for my brain because blood is flowing through my uh, uh, the, uh, my brain. And then also then I meditate and then uh, have a gratitude practice and then uh, journaling and just I mean, reminds me and, and centers me and then gets me into good place. And also it's a reminder that no matter what happens, I am so much better off than, you know, there's so many people around the world. And then um, always reminding myself um, uh, how thankful I am, um, the situation, you know, um, no matter what happens. Uh, and then also after then quick exercise, um, then uh, I do a cold shower. And initially it was uh, challenging, but uh, it's learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, uh, and something that I promote, it uh, creates alertness and um, it's, it's, it's done wonders for me and I actually uh, enjoy it. And, um, and you can do it uh, many different variations, but whatever it might be, uh, having a good solid morning routine to get your day started. Um, and, uh, and that has uh, worked uh, uh, wonders for me and that has helped me manage my stress. Uh, and then um, before being the typical surgeon, you know, I had tempers or, you know, everything was so urgent, but then now uh, more relaxed and um, I accept the way things are. If it happens, that's great. Work hard at it, but it, I'm not necessarily going to stress out about it and living in the present moment, not living in you know, yesterday, not living just for the future, but living and understanding where we are here today. Uh, and um, that has uh, helped me tremendously. 
Oh, that's so great. I love your morning routine. It sounds like you're so disciplined. I've tried the cold shower a few times. It does not continue very long, but I'll try again. It's really, really hard. But it does, afterwards, you do feel amazing afterwards. I will attest to that. You feel this sense of like complete whole body just calm afterwards. So it does work. You just have to work up the nerve to do it. You know, and I can't imagine you ever having a temper. So what you're doing must be working because you do seem like a very calm, kind person. So it must work. We, we're all going to do Dr. One's morning routine so that we can all be calm and centered and Zen. Try it for seven <laughs> days. All right. I'll report back to you. Whew, I got to work up the nerve to do that cold shower. <laughs> Okay, so where can my listeners connect with you? You mentioned a free guide. Where can they find that? And what products and services do you offer? Yes, uh, so I'm pretty active uh, on my own, uh, the social media. So they can find me on Instagram or Facebook, uh, Twitter, and now also uh, a clubhouse. And it's uh, the handle is at Dr1MD, so D-R-W-O-N. Uh, MD and feel free to uh, direct message me and uh, whether it's a smoothie guide or nutrition guide um, uh, everything is uh, available I would be happy to uh, and if you are interested in those things um, they can you know send me an email uh, which is uh, uh, sung1md at gmail.com uh, or you can just direct message me through the Instagram and send me your um, email address. And we're more than happy to send those information out to you. And then also, if you get them, pay it forward, share with anyone and uh, everyone who's interested. And then the, and the spread the knowledge so that uh, we can all be healthy together. Oh, that's amazing. I, I think I'm going to grab your smoothie guide. Sounds good. I, I need to increase my nitric oxide production since I have 60 years left of life. So... Yes, absolutely. You got to, and then also with the nitric oxide, important. A lot of uh, people do not know is that we really need to avoid antiseptic mouthwash because when we, you know, most people have the blood vessel damage because that's the the number one area where the nitric oxide gets produced in from your endothelium, inner lining of the artery. But most people have it damaged so they can't produce enough. So the second pathway is a nitrate pathway. It's a, uh, it's through nutrition, and so um, but the nitrate trade what you eat you got to chew them well uh, but it interacts with the bacteria posterior third of your tongue and then that gets reduced to nitrite but when you use antiseptic mouthwash it kills all those good bacteria, mm -hmm. and then and that's why there's a strong correlation of using the antiseptic mouthwash with high blood pressure uh, and then also, if all possible, uh, avoiding acid reducers, like especially proton okay. pump inhibitors, because they also show elevation of blood pressure because you not only need from the reducing the acid, because nitrite, when it goes into your stomach in the acidic environment, becomes a nitric oxide. And so, um, but when you reduce the acid, uh, it has a difficult time turning into nitric oxide. And then also, there's some studies that show that there are certain agents like the ADMA uh, that. Uh, gets elevated with the, the proton pump inhibitors. That is a direct inhibitor of the, the nitric oxide synthase, the enzyme that produces the nitric oxide. So we, uh, we ask uh, patients to avoid it as much as possible. Then they say, well, you know, I have acid reflux or I have indigestion. 
So if you go plant-based, most patients don't have acid reflux and then don't have indigestion. So that's another reason for them to, to uh, be uh, eating more plants and going plant-based as well. But those two uh, in over-the-counter medicine uh, and the, the, the mouthwash uh, is used by so many people. Um, but I want to strongly encourage them to, to you know, step away from that. Such good information. And something that a lot of people don't know and realize, I never was really big on using those mouthwashes, but definitely I decided not to pursue it after learning how it does affect our microbiome and how that microbiome is so important. We need to protect it, foster it, and make sure that we are feeding the right bugs in our digestive system. Such great information. You're just full of amazing info. So thank you. Well, I would love for you to leave us with one call to action for the week. What is one thing that we can do this week to improve our health and longevity? Yes. Well, as I mentioned, the personal habit. Uh, and so what I would love for people, because obviously from this whole uh, um, uh, podcast, people already know that we want them to eat a lot more plants, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, and our ultimate goal is even the reason you got to eat a lot more plants is because you got to eat a lot of fiber. And mm -hmm. I'm a, a biggest uh, a promoter of eating fiber. When somebody asks, how do you get your protein? I said, well, how do you get your fiber, right? <laughs> Average Americans consume only 10 to 15 grams of fiber per day. And we strongly we want to work ourselves up to eating 60 grams of fiber per day so um, and the, the RDA recommendation which I think is it's a too uh, small amount is like around 25 28 for female and 35 for male but I would love for them this week to to at least uh, have uh, uh, if you're not plant-based try to have a, a meatless day the whole day or if you do uh, are plant-based try to eat a lot more fiber and, and see how much fiber you're eating. I mean, count it and then, um, and then and see how, uh, how much fiber you're eating because I think the fiber is so critical for our gut health and gut microbiome. Beautiful. Well, fiber is my favorite F word. So I get excited when anybody talks about fiber on my show. It is one of the key pillars of life is to get that fiber in there from whole plant foods, not from gummy fiber supplements, okay? People that are listening, there's a difference. <laughs> so from whole foods, from real foods. Dr. One, this has been so amazing. I am so glad that you came on Veggie Doctor Radio. I just loved getting to know you. I am so grateful that you're out there helping so many people in person and through the internet. So thank you for what you do. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. This was truly an honor. And then also to, to meet you uh, in person outside the clubhouse. So this was amazing. And so I want to thank you for everything that you're doing. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. Save. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.